Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. It was an unusual draft for the Seahawks. John Schneider usually prefers to hoard draft picks, but this year the Seahawks only made three selections, and due to the Jamal Adams trade, made only one in the first two days. Schneider talked about what the draft was like at the post-draft press conference. Unique is the word we keep using, right? And it was just very interesting to watch everybody work their way through this draft and to talk to other teams and how they viewed how they viewed things and how you know they felt about their team. I think you know as we spoke on uh, our pre-draft press conference a couple of days ago, uh, same thing. You know we're going to be approaching this now like okay, who's going to be letting people go after the draft? What does that look like? The different phases of free agency. So it it was it was definitely an odd odd year. Uh, there's still a bunch of free agents, not free agents, but for us, free agents, rookie free agents that we're really interested in. After taking wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge in the second round, the Seahawks had to wait until the fourth round to make their next pick. They traded back eight spots from 129th overall to 137th and took Trey Brown, cornerback from Oklahoma. Schneider said the Seahawks wanted to trade back more to acquire another pick, but ultimately decided against it. You know, there was a situation where, you know, we we could have gone back and then, you know, with with um, even further after we worked with uh, Tampa to see if we could get Trey a little bit later, which we just, you know, we just decided that was not not the thing to do. We should, we needed to just pick Trey. The Seahawks general manager raved about Trey Brown. Really excited about Trey, excited about his competitiveness. He's just got... The guy's just got a fire to him that's just off the chain. Brown played corner and special teams in college, and the Seahawks hope to use him in both roles. Carroll spoke at length about how Brown's competitive spirit will help him excel in whatever the Seahawks have planned for him. He's a one-speed guy. He goes all out, and, he's, and he really does throw his body around, and it shows up on special teams when he gets his ops. I mean, he came across, I, I, we heard the, uh, you know, his interview as well, and uh, he came across with the confidence and the cockiness that, that is necessary quite often in the makeup of the guys that play out there. And, and he's not going to he's not going to be wild by any of it. I, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be uh, guys, you know, ready for the challenge in camp when we get rolling. And, and one of them wears number 14. He don't care who it is. He's going to go against them and, and, and make it a battle. Uh, DK will, will look forward to it. And, and that, that's that's what we need to, to, to play to find your best. You, know, you need the competitiveness. And that's why the kid really fits. So we can really be in a very fortunate situation with him in the competition right now. To the surprise of many, Carroll says he plans to have the five foot, 10 inch sooner play it outside corner where the Seahawks typically prefer much taller players. He's a corner. He's going to play outside and start, start there. And we're, you know, we're going to see, see what, uh, uh, what he brings to the competition. Um, he's played outside, you know, throughout his years, um, hasn't played inside as a, as a featured nickel guy, um, but we know that he would have the ability to do that. Um, I thought that the the one on ones in 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 the Senior Bowl were really indicative of his ability to stick to people. He he went against really good receivers, really good one on one opportunities, and he, he can whether he's playing inside or outside, he's going to do fine. But we're, we're thinking of him as a corner to play outside. We didn't we didn't draft him as a nickel, if that's what you're asking. We did not. And he speculated that the Seahawks felt comfortable drafting a smaller outside corner because of D.J. Reed's performance in 2020. Carroll says Brown reminds him of Reed in a number of ways. You know, D.J.'s not the tallest guy in the world, but he's a heck of a football player, and he showed that he could find his way to get through it. 
Trey plays with a great aggressiveness and, and attack, and, and he's on. You know, he's all, always after the football, very much like D, uh, DJ plays. And so uh, we'll see how that works. One knock on Brown has been his size, especially his arm length, both of which do not meet the typical Seahawks draft benchmarks. The Seahawks general manager is not concerned. You know, I'm sure Trey Brown would love to be, you know, six foot two and be, you know, if he was six foot two, he'd be picked in the top 10. Right. So uh, you can see him every weekend running all over the place in the big 12 with all these receivers and all the speed that's out there and, and competing his tail off. Uh, yes. We, we'd love to have, uh, you know, big corners and all that. And, and we did right when we got here. Uh, but you got to adjust the times too. And, and, and there's only a certain amount of players that you can pick from and and uh more about the person like we talked about last night this guy's a true competitor uh he's he's on the upswing um he's overcome a lot tells the guy that's just he's 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 got a a confidence about him that's uh and a competitiveness that's, that's uh that we love and we 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 treasure the Seahawks third and final selection meanwhile sees great benefit for his game thanks to his arm length with the pick they acquired from trading back with the Buccaneers, Seattle was able to move up from the 217th spot to the 208th overall pick and take Stone Forsyth, an offensive tackle from Florida. We waited. It seemed like forever we waited for Stone. We tried trading up forever to get him. You know, monster of a man, all business, pretty quiet, uh, not like a real vocal guy, but just a real uh, professional that is uh, a two-year starter at Florida. Big man, uh, super long arms, um, you know, hard, hard for people to run the hump on them. And, and, um, and the guy runs a track especially well with their new offense. You can see him as a big person out there running and getting outside. Schneider said the Seahawks worked hard, trying multiple times to trade up for Forsyth. So I want to say it was in the 190s that we tried. And then, I mean, it, it literally seemed like two hours. It seemed like forever. Uh, it, it seemed like forever, and you know it's, that's what's fun and entertaining about the, the draft, right? Like everybody sees everybody sees things differently. The Seahawks general manager added that he was interested in Forsyth right away when he first saw him play. It's hard to tell. That's hard to tell. You know, uh, the first game I ever saw him play was against Georgia. That defense pretty pretty good, right? And so here, here he's out there blocking. You know, all these guys that are you know big time draft picks, some older guys, younger guys, and he didn't flinch. So it's pretty. Georgia was probably his most impressive game. After the break, we'll hear more about how a Seahawks legend helped Forsyth prepare for the draft and also gain insight into the possibility of the Seahawks bringing back a team legend in free agency. Seahawks coach Pete Carroll and general manager John Schneider met with the media following day three of the Seahawks draft. There was more to talk about with regard to the Seahawks' new offensive lineman and to get a better sense of Forsyth's ability and character before the draft. The Seahawks had a familiar face working out with him. Yeah, Hutch went down to work him out. With Hutch and uh, Steve Hutchinson and, and Alonzo Highsmith were at the workout and uh, Hutch spent a ton of time with him and, and, you know, he, he's not a real outspoken individual. He's just a real quiet, like confident, calm guy. He's not like, you know, he doesn't come off with like a, you know, he's just a, he's kind of a professional. He just kind of shows up every day and he's, he's there 
trying to get better. And so coaches count on them. They believe yeah, them. Really so, great, great rapport, all that. Good yeah. Stuff. So it's pretty cool to have uh, Hutch spend as much time with him as he, as he did. And, and obviously Aaron Highline, it, it was like, you know, those guys, those guys really had him nailed as a person. Schneider added that Hutchinson was extremely helpful in the team's evaluation process for many of the linemen they looked at. We're really blessed to have Steve working with us. Uh, he, he focuses on the offensive line. He gives us a really fresh uh, opinion on guys. We try to get him out as much as we possibly can to spend time with the guys, taking them you know, out for a cup of coffee or dinner or whatever and talking to offensive line coaches and then being able to really put his hands on him in the spring. And he's a very, very clear-thinking individual. He knows what he likes. Uh, he knows what it takes. I was blessed to be around him when we drafted him in, in uh, – 2000 and and uh you know he the guy he it's just he's he's just a blast to be around he knows exactly he knows exactly how to communicate his thoughts and uh pete and i were talking about earlier today like he can go through everybody i don't know who's more nervous there for a while like peter hutch and i'm like man you guys need to you guys need to stop like walk cruising around in front of the table and like nerves and making me dinner yeah or they're making me dizzy so you guys weren't making me dinner, were you? No, making me dizzy. <laughs> One knock on Forsyth has been his lack of experience and ability in the run game. Coach Pete Carroll touched on these concerns with some of his comments. Stone was a guy that really, because of his uniqueness, he's really a unique player. I mean, how many times have I said that to you guys about, you know, we're always looking for traits and and uh, he really brings uh, a great level of potential in, in his, what he's bringing. He's played a lot of football. He's had over a thousand pass rushes against him in the SEC. Uh, his numbers are really good. His, his stats are really good from in pass protection. Um, he can come off the football and he runs pretty well. He runs, he runs well for a big guy. Um, so he moves, he moves all right. We just got to get him where he's coming off the football the way we want to. That means he's got front side blocks where he's got to reach really you know, flashy athletes, and then you also got to cut off big de- defensive tackles when the ball's going away. So he's shown our, the ability to do that. So we're not worried about his foot quickness in that regard. So we got to get him to play good and low. That's always the, the question with guys. He's six, eight, you know, and so, um, the guys are going to try to get up underneath him, but he's seen that from the best. You know, we've got to watch him against the best that the SEC had to offer in the last couple of years and, and felt really good about uh, the potential for him to be a really good player for a long period of time. So we're excited about that. Forsyth has a great opportunity to learn from Seahawks tackle Dwayne Brown, too, which should help in his development. The benefit that uh, that Stone has is he gets to learn uh, from one of the best players in the league in Dwayne Brown, and he's going to be able to study with him and work with him. Uh, Dwayne will take him under his wing, I know, and teach him every all the ins and outs of this position, as well as demonstrate what it is to be an effective perimeter run blocker and all. I mean, Dwayne's been famous for that stuff for us. Um, so uh, this will be a really competitive opportunity for Stone. But the the big part of the competition is he has this great uh, example right there in front of him showing how to play the game. So um, this should work out really well. Even without the addition of Forsyth, Carroll was feeling good about the team's offensive line. Getting the six foot eight, 307-pound Florida product was just icing on the cake. We are, we are pleased with where we are in particular with the depth in the competition too you know uh it's not just the guys that start Gabe's gonna play on the right side and and uh D-Lou will be on the left side and uh bringing uh, Ethan back you know for a second year as a potential starter the confidence that he'll he'll gain from that uh will really help him and and you know like I've been saying Kyle's going to be competing with him all all along as well 
Um, I, I think uh, uh, Simmons did a nice job for us last year. Jordan did some good things when he played. That gives us good depth there. Philip Haynes looks to be through his, you know, through his injury issues and, and uh, will come into camp ready to roll and compete too. And, and Cedric Ogbui, that, that's this is a guy that really has the potential to be a big time football player. Uh, he's going to get a great chance to to go with Brandon out there at the right tackle spot and compete, you know, and, and to the finish and see who wins the job, knowing that he can also play on the other side if we need him to, also as he did last year. So we feel really good about the depth of it and and kind of the the experience. Uh, well, as always, you'd like these guys to you know get a good feel for one another, play together, and communicate really well, and that really comes to the center spot, and and we'll get great leadership from from Dwayne. So uh, I think it's an excellent excellent position for us. Another position of concern for the Seahawks is linebacker, where they are lacking depth with the potential departure of K.J. Wright. Carroll says he's excited for young players like Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvan to get their shot. Well, we have a group of linebackers that we can really count on, and, and we like our guys and how they play, and really the, the fact we have flexibility there too. Um, but it is a competitive opportunity for young guys to come in, you know, trying to, trying to get on this team and be part of it and be part of special teams and all of that. Um, and so guys that are getting some opportunities right now, once, as soon as we get off the call here, um, we'll be looking for, you know, a chance. We, we don't have a lot of depth, but we have really quality guys playing at the spot. One other position where the Seahawks had some holes coming into the draft was cornerback. While the team addressed this need by drafting Trey Brown, some fans have speculated that the return of Richard Sherman could be in the cards for the Seahawks. No, I've talked to Sherman uh, uh, quite a few times here over the offseason. So we, uh, we have stayed in, in contact. Um and, uh, you know, he's, he's out there. I know he's thinking about it. He, he's, he's looking for an opportunity. And uh, I, I saw where he said there's th- three or four teams that, you know, that he's considering or whatever. So we'll see what happens. And, and, uh, but uh, he's been a great player, and uh, he's still got some ball left in him, I'm sure. But at this point, you know, we're, we're going to clear through this day, figure out what happens with the rooks coming up, and we'll see where it sits uh, later on. Coach Carroll added that he has always had a good relationship with Sherman, despite media reports. Sherman, I've always, always shared thoughts about stuff. And if we go through the different cycles of things that have happened in the league and what's going on around the country at times, and we, we, we have stayed in touch for a long time. And I, I don't think that should surprise you because just think about all of the guys that have, that have left here, uh, that had, had, you know, done so much uh, for this program in our area and all of that. And whether they're still playing or they're not playing, um, we've maintained, you know, really, I think really significant relationships and, and Sherman's one of them. I've always thought of Sherman as, you know, he, he could be the leader of this NFL PA thing someday and run the whole thing. He, he's got so much potential to do so much. I don't want to limit him that way. I mean, he, there's, there's nothing that Rich, Richard can't do. Um, and fortunately we've had a, a really good relationship and it, it's been fun to follow him. And, you know, I mean, I give him crap whenever I can about games we're playing or whatever's happened and, and all that. And he, he'll, he'll turn around and do the same from, with me. And uh, so, I don't know what that means, you know, other than um, I'm really proud of the relationship that we've had, particularly all of the things that we've done together and, and, uh, and has he's done well when he's left, too. So we'll see what happens. This does not necessarily mean Seattle is actively pursuing the 33 year old free agent corner. That, that's not one of our, our thoughts right now that we're, we're going out and go get uh, uh, another guy at the spot. But we're going to keep looking and we're not going to stop looking. And that's just we're going to compete. So in that sense, I'm, I leave everything open. And that's just one of them. So now go ahead and do whatever you want with it. But that's that's where it is. Following the draft, Seattle is focused on getting together a class of undrafted free agents and bringing in some veterans who may be let go by other teams around the league. Carroll says he is thrilled with the roster in its current state but that new additions are always welcome. Really, I, I thought this offseason was really successful at 
situating the roster where we felt good going into the draft. Part of the draft, and, and John was, you know, helping me get, be prepared mentally for this all along without the, the normal volume of picks that we needed to make our moves and make our decisions early to make sure that the roster was situated well. We made it. We made it through that offseason and came to the point where we felt like we had guys at every spot. We didn't have any holes going in. We didn't have any glaring needs. We had concerns and issues for depth and in, in, in competition and all that. So, um, you know, we really, we have firepower. We've got big plays. We've got pass rush now. We've got uh, the leadership. Um, we, we just have, and we have depth and we have competitive depth, which always helps you bring out the best in guys. So we're sit- situated very well right now. If, um, the new guys and a couple of these free agents that have a shot can come in here and make a, a spark and, and add something to us, uh, give us a little flash or something here on special teams or whatever they can bring. We're going to be a very, very competitive team. I have no hesitation in saying that. So, uh, um, I'm excited about that. The other, the, the last part of this is that we're never going to pass up an opportunity to, to, to be involved and competitively involved in everything. John does an incredible job. There's nobody that's done it better than John over all of these years to continue to take advantage of every opportunity that comes along. There'll be one after the, you know, kind of whatever the fallout occurs, you know, as, as guys put their rosters together, that we will be, we'll be sitting right there on the fence ready to jump and, and uh, hopefully we'll, you know, we'll see a couple of things that might help us out. But we'll be ready for it. We won't miss that opportunity for sure. With only three picks in the draft, adding young talent through the undrafted free agency process is going to be important. And we see up at fieldgoals.com, Mookie Alexander tracking all of the UDFAs and some exciting names up there as Florida State wide receiver Tamari and Terry signed with the Seahawks. He was a guy projected to go all the way in the first round starting at the season, but had a disappointing 2020. They added a center from the Canadian Football League, Pierre-Olivier Lestage. They also picked up a speedy running back from Louisiana Monroe, Josh Johnson, another running back from Florida Atlantic, B.J. Emmons, and maybe the steal of the undrafted free agency class, South Dakota State's Cade Johnson, senior bowl standout, and a guy that we talked about on the show as being a potential fourth-round pick for the Seahawks, maybe even earlier. I think he was one of those guys kind of in that consideration when they took Dwayne Eskridge, a very similar type of player, so... That could be a name to watch for sure. Lots more names up there. Fieldgoals.com. Check out Mookie Alexander's draft tracker. A big thanks to Wilson Kahn for helping to produce this episode. Follow him on Twitter at Wilson underscore Kahn, C-O-N-N. You can follow me on Twitter at SeahawkersPod. Lots more to talk about coming up this week. I'm sure we'll be doing another live locker room chat with Clinton Bonner. At some point, look for an article up at Field Goals with that time. Or you can follow along with the Locker Room app. Download that and you can look for me, Brandon Schultz. Search for my name, B-R-A-N-D-A-N, at Seahawkra is my username up there. A big thanks to everybody who has helped throughout this draft season. EJ Snyder of Windy City Gridiron coming on and breaking down picks. Wilson Kahn for helping to produce the press conference episodes. And Nathan and Kevin of the Seahawks Nest coming in and doing some pre-draft episodes on field goals. Hope everyone has enjoyed it. Now we just have to wait till we can watch these guys on the field coming up this season. And so until then, go Hawks.